0: Welcome back to the program. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I'm going to begin with uh, Psalm 95, um, but just uh, literally the first verse of Psalm 95. Come, let us sing to the Lord, and shout with joy to the Rock who saves us. Let us approach him with praise and thanksgiving, and sing joyful songs to the Lord. Let us pray. Lord God, I God, I love you and I praise you and I thank you for another day, another gift of life that you give to us. And Lord, I ask that you just bless those who listen for each of these dear, sweet brothers and sisters in Christ that they would be encouraged, Lord, that they would know just how much you love them, you're gazing upon them with a tender care and a mighty mercy. And I ask, Lord, that you would intervene with your almighty power, to provide for them, to be for them a shield and a rock, a savior and a saving God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. We love you, Holy Spirit. Anoint us in these moments to, be, um, to become the saints that fulfill the mission that you have for us by planting us here in this moment. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, quite a weekend around here in eastern Washington and in Idaho, uh, specifically really Saturday. Saturday was both a women's conference and a men's conference uh, here in uh, eastern Washington, uh, just just on uh, the far east side, just, just before the Idaho border. At Saint Joseph's Catholic Church, there was a women's conference, and uh, Carrie went to it. Uh, it was sold out, but Carrie fortunate. Carrie was Carrie's fortunes improved because of someone's misfortune. <laughs> Carrie was talking to someone and asked if she was going to the retreat or the conference, and she said yes, but she was she got a ticket, but she was sick. And Carrie was like, "Oh yeah, I wanted to go, but." Uh, I'm on some kind of wait list, or it's sold out. And she said, oh, you can use my ticket. So Carrie got to go to uh, the women's conference. And um, at the same time, there was a men's conference. And this men's conference was down in Nampa, Idaho. So sort of south Idaho. And um, uh, But it also allowed for, at this men's conference, it allowed for uh, a virtual attendance. And so one of the options was that you could sign up as a men's group and you could have a watch party. How cool is that? Um, or you'd just be able to access it uh, by yourself at home, um, but as part of a group. And so um, so interestingly, so Carrie um, uh, ended up going to the women's conference and I ended up, signing up for the men's conference. The men's conference involved uh, Father Calloway. If you remember Father Calloway, uh, interestingly, see the women's conference was at St. Joseph's, and Father Calloway um, has been really inspired. Talk about um, sort of the hand of God inspiring him um, to foster a consecration to St. Joseph. And um, it, it was kind of cool if you hear him tell his story. I actually had the the blessing of talking with Father Calloway. I interviewed Father Calloway, I don't know, it's probably a year and a half ago. Uh, he had just finished the book on consecration to Saint Joseph. And um, one of the things that he was surprised at was that um, while there is sort of famously right, a consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, a consecration to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, Um, There wasn't a consecration to St. Joseph, and, you know, there's sort of the, why wouldn't that be the case? He's the patron of the universal church, and it would be one of those sort of natural things that you'd want to entrust yourself into the hands and under the patronage, under the protective care of St. Joseph. And so he went ahead and developed a, a book on the consecration to St. Joseph, and it reflects on the different titles that are associated with St. Joseph through the litany uh, to St. Joseph. And it was something that—I I don't, I don't know if there's a cause and effect here or just that the Lord is cause of all and uh, stirred into flame this insight, but you probably remember Pope Francis had promoted a year uh, that— Uh, drew attention to St. Joseph that just finished up uh, recently. And uh, there was a special focus on entrustment to to St. Joseph. And so, wow. Um, You know, you you like to think about, uh, I shouldn't say you. Have you ever thought about, um, like, who's going to be remembered 100 years from now? Who's going to be remembered 100 years from now? When, When they write the history books and they scan back to, uh, you know, the the 2000s, the first couple decades of the 2000s and right now, like whose name is going to appear <laughs> in, in the annals of church history? And the answer is not many, <laughs> not, not many. But if I had to put forward someone whose name, you know, might be in a footnote somewhere, it might be Father Calloway's uh, who identified this uh, and, and, prompted and promoted and, uh, and wrote this consecration to St. Joseph. It's like, who actually gets to do something in their lives that will outlive them? Um, I mean this in a spiritual way, right? I, I'm not talking about, oh, you built a big building or some outstanding world record or something like this. I don't mean anything like that. I mean in, in faith, right? In faith. Of course you can just become a saint that that's one way to <laughs> get, get remembered and especially if you're like you're a martyr right there there's a yeah let's let's not go there okay so um but i i've always wondered it's like okay most of these authors who've written books they're just you know they were super popular authors in the 50s and 60s that you've never heard of right that i've never heard of uh that have floated away from any kind of remembrance. Um, but, you know, actually, this is kind of a, another sort of cool story. Um, Father Louis, Eveli, L, uh, Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, Louis Eveli, Evely, L O U I S, Louis Evely, E V E L Y. I wouldn't recommend all of his books, but some of his earlier books are just stunning. And um, one of them is called That Man Is You. That Man Is You. It was the first one that I encountered of his, and I was just blown away by it. And so it was a book. If I could ever find it, I would get it. This was before the internet. I'd look and use bookstores, and every now and again, I would find a copy. In any case, Mary Grace, my oldest daughter, when I interviewed her, she talked about that book, and she has a number of friends who are evangelical Protestants, and they all get this book, Y'all get this book from this Dutch Catholic priest who wrote it in the 60s, early 60s, I think, and it is just such incredibly rich spiritual writing, and there are several others that he's written. Again, I wouldn't recommend all of them, but um, we dare to say Our Father is another one that's amazing. We Are All Brothers is another one. Um, he has a book on suffering, which is powerful. But That that Man Is You, I just think it's so neat that you have a bunch of um young adult uh, Catholic and Christian men and women in the Newburgh, uh, Newburgh, Oregon area who are buying up all the copies of That Man is You. (laughs) And I'm just thinking, you know, Father Louis Evelie, he is, you know, it's kind of, he's smiling down on that, right? Kind of like, wow, look at that. Who would have thought that the Lord would have taken my writings that he wrote in Dutch, uh, you know, 60 years ago, and, and, and is essentially in oblivion pretty much everywhere in the world, has a, a new bloom and blossom in Newburgh, Oregon. I don't know, I just think that's kind of cool, uh, that, the, the mystery of how God works, and, and just sort of says, look what I can do, look how I can take something that um, seemingly would have just been died and buried, and, and I'm going to just make it rise again, and I'm going to use it for my purposes. So um, I just think that's really cool how God works. So uh, today in the program, as I'm I'm just sharing with you some sort of updated stories, when um, I was talking with some of the guys who were um, going to the men's group, and I was talking to uh, Carrie about the women in the women's group, a couple of different themes showed up. So on the women's side, Carrie, I think if she said what was the most prominent thing that showed up for her. It wasn't um, really something that, like was said by the the main speaker, a woman that flew in, um, it, it wasn't any of the teachings that she heard, but rather it was the hunger. She just said that it was palpable how spiritually hungry these women that were gathered there, how hungry they were, to be fed, to be nourished spiritually, and it's easy just to say a word like that, right? But if if we if we are like um, hungry physically, we know what to do. No brainer. Go to the refrigerator. Go to the cupboard. Go to the store. Go to a restaurant. When you are hungry physically, or um, if you're not. Being nourished by the food that you're you're taking in, well, you go get some healthy food. You go and, and, and take in the nourishment you need. So that's easy, peasy. Okay, got that. But when Carrie says, "Well, these women were just so hungry spiritually. You could just sense it in the conversations around the table. You sensed it in the questions that were being talked about. You sensed it in the reaction that the women had to certain points. It, it was just one of these things that, for me, I just said, Carrie, just think about that. You know, who is it, first of all, that is willing to give up a Saturday and come out and pay money to be at a conference with a bunch of other women for the whole day, and um, and and these are women who obviously, if they're going to take a day apart from their other commitments, and oftentimes it's going to mean families, if they're going to take a day apart from them, um, it better be worthwhile, and and it better be for a good purpose. And it's like if what they came away for was a sense of meeting a hunger. Fulfilling, filling a hunger, like addressing an ache in the heart, a desire to be nourished, at, at a diff, in a different dimension, in the dimension of the heart, the dimension of the spirit, and then the question becomes: Where does that come from? How do I do that? How do I access sources of nourishment that are spiritual, that will be? good food, not fast food, not junk food, not garbage, but healthy, re- revitalizing, nourishing, invigorating spiritual nourishment. And one of the answers that, that Carrie came away with was, you know, we, we really benefit from speakers who are not first of all entertaining, not first of all um, not first of all, have a great story to tell, but who are holy? That somehow, when the speaker shows up, they 're not in the way of God showing up. But when the speaker shows up, there's a particular radiance. There is a, a, a weight, a weightiness to the, um, to the content but really to the persona, to the person who's showing up like that, that you just sense God. You sense God. And and that was where Carrie and I went in the conversation. It was like, you know, isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want, like, for ourselves, is I, I just want to be holy. I just want to be holy I want, and when I say I want to be holy, I I mean two things. I want a deeper union with the Holy God. I want a more profound, transforming, purifying, weighty union with the creator of the universe, the one who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I really, really deeply long that that union that I'm pursuing and dwelling in and living in with the living God will somehow, in settings that involve ministry, that is settings that involve witness, that settings that involve teaching, that that union will overflow. It will become manifest. It will be a, I will be a cleansed vessel so that God can show up. I want the Lord to be present in power, to be at work, speaking, and moving, if I'm going to show up in that capacity. Back in a minute with Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. And um, talking just at the beginning, in this first segments of the program about this women's conference and this men's conference, and um, the hunger, the, the hunger that that um, So many of the women that Carrie was, was talking to just was apparent. It was evident to her. And, and when we tried to talk about it and say, well, what was it? Well, what would be refreshing and invigorating? What would be encouraging and, and transformative? And, and it's holiness. It's God. It's godliness. And um, Carrie talked about the time of adoration. Making space for the Lord. Well, first of all, we begin with mass and full disclosure. I didn't go to Nampa to be at mass with Bishop Christensen. Um, and I didn't join up with the men of St. Joan, uh, St Joan of Arc, men's group signed up. I think we had the largest group of men sign up from a parish uh, at a, at a watch party. Uh, I don't know that for sure, but we had like 15 guys. That's pretty cool from St. Joan of Arc participating in the men's conference. Um, that uh, the Diocese of Boise was putting on. And, and Bishop Christensen um, se- presided at the opening mass and, and delivered a homily. Um, but I ended up going with Kerry to um, St. Joseph's to hear um, Bishop Daly. Uh, Bishop Daly celebrated the opening mass for the Women's Conference. And uh, he's such a good preacher, such a good homilist, a super solid um uh, just a great, you can tell he has a very rich background as an educator um, and uh, as a teacher, had very rich teaching, and he's so easy to listen to, really. Very, very easy to listen to. Um, so um, so when Carrie and I were, were talking, and, and she just referenced adoration, and, and in the context of adoration, confession was happening as well. And it's like, there's where there's where the women can be filled and fed, nourished and invigorated. It's coming close to Jesus. I said just before the break, it's like, Lord, I want you to manifest in and through my life, especially if I'm going to be in a visible role of speaking or teaching. Even like here on the radio, it's like, God, please, please, I sincerely come before you and, and I beg you, show up through what I share. Please let not people focus on my words, but on you. Please, Jesus, use these words, to somehow minister to those dear brothers and sisters of mine who are tuning in because you prompted them or because it's their habit and they are looking for you. A word to encourage them, a word to rouse them and stir them, a word to move them forward from confusion to clarity, from a sense of being isolated to communion, a sense of being confused to peace, a sense of being in darkness to light, from chaos to order. Lord, all of these things, that my brothers and sisters are bringing before you as their condition, please meet them at their point of deepest need. Please, Lord, encounter them at that place where they are desperately hungry, where they are feeling malnourished, where they need to be fed, Lord. Just please let them not go away from this program feeling empty or distressed, feeling wounded or uh, or. Uh, anxious. I just sense that there are some who are anxious, that there's real anxiety over something that's happening in your life. And the Lord is saying, I am the one who calms storms. I take authority over the storms that are in your life. I will bring you peace. I will bring you peace. I will bring you confidence. You know, that was actually the, um, the gospel on Saturday um, that uh, the bishop, Bishop Daly spoke about. And just that, um, just that beautiful, that sense of the Lord, um, the Lord saying, why don't you believe? Why are you afraid? I'm here with you. And and it's like, well, Lord, you actually, you were asleep. (laughs) And this is like a huge storm. And this boat was being thrown around and you were sleeping. So, Lord, come on, you, you, you got to okay, give us some, give us a break. And the Lord, Lord doesn't give him a break. The Lord is like, I have authority. I have a th- I am, first of all, I'm with you. And the second is I have authority over anything that's happening in your life. I'm with you right in the midst of it. I can't get any closer to you than I am right now. Even though you feel like I'm asleep, trust me when I tell you I'm in control. I'm in control of the thing that is a storm in your life, a storm that threatens to overturn your life. The Lord is saying, I am with you. And even if you feel like the Lord is asleep and not taking action, he is here to say to you today, quiet, be still. He takes authority over the storms in your life and he says, quiet, be still. He takes command over those things. And I thank you, Lord, for that. I praise you, Lord, that you take authority over those parts of our lives that are just out of control, that just leave us so spun up, stirred up, wounded, and beaten down. Lord, minister in your healing power today. Minister in a living way so that we would know that you are the living God for each of these dear brothers and sisters of mine in whatever situation they're facing. So I'm gonna launch ahead. I wanna talk a bit about a couple of other conversations I had today And um, I'm going to get to, eventually, the Invitatory Psalm, Psalm 95. At the beginning of the program, I read just the first verse. Come, let us sing to the Lord and shout with joy to the rock who saves us. Let us approach him with praise and thanksgiving and sing joyful songs to the Lord. It's the first stanza of the Invitatory Psalm. Because I gained new insight after praying it for 37, 38, this is, it'll be 37 and a half years, and I learned some things in the last week about Psalm 95. It was like the Lord revealed them to me. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe that I prayed this for those, that many decades. And I never sensed, saw, or was enlightened to the reality that I got in prayer just a few days ago. And it's just like, wow, God, you are ever new. There's so much more depth to the scriptures than we imagine. Okay, I'm jumping ahead. Um, I want to come back around to that the reality of holiness. So last night I was um, so here it is. It's uh, let's see Monday night. So on Monday night when I'm recording this program um, uh, earlier this evening I was at um, basketball games. I was at um, the Oaks um, playing in their last regular season game. Let's go. And um in this last regular season game, there's the girls varsity game, Annalise was playing in it, and then the boys varsity game, John Mark and John Luke were playing in it. And um the dean of students um came up to me, uh just said hi. We were chatting uh on the in the stands and um uh just, just after the chit chat, how were things going? Um I just asked him, I said, So you know, so what's you know what's what's God doing in your life? Where, where, where's where's God at work? First of all, isn't that cool that you can talk like that to the dean of students at your at your high school, and he's got an answer? So that's actually quite refreshing, frankly. So he said that he was listening to a podcast, and the podcast referenced a book, and and the book was called "The Hole in Holiness." The whole, hole, H-O-L-E in holiness. And I found that really fascinating. And so I said I said to um, uh, this this dean of students, I said so what is the whole in holiness? What is the whole? Oh and, and I know why. I know why. He was asking me um, hey, how are things going? He was asking about um, like my professional life, right? So church work and and I'm doing this real estate stuff and I've been helping folks. And oh, by the way, if you are not aware of it, the housing market has just spun back up again in the last couple of weeks. There are buyers coming out of the woodworks again. And it is like now the typical thing once again, at least in in the folks that I've been helping, um, and and I'm now helping probably one or two on a weekend, and I'd love to help you, especially if you're... On the West, if you're over here in the Spokane or Coeur d'Alene area, I am licensed in Washington and Idaho. Love to help you, love to serve you. If you're discerning a move here, love to talk with you about that, just to discern. What that would be like. I know a lot of folks feel a little bit overwhelmed or paralyzed by the idea of moving. And I have been doing this now for a couple of years, just accompanying families um, with Carrie um, to be able to help you get situated. Like, where are the neighborhoods that will have folks like you that you're um, wanting to connect to? Uh, because of faith or because of uh, parish or because of educational options and uh, being able to get a sense of the areas where these families are moving so that you can have fellowship in a geographically um, uh, relatively uh, near uh, area. And then just understanding the the market side of things as well and knowing how to, to negotiate and blah, blah, blah. I love, it's amazing how it, the Lord has been able to like weave together different parts of my life Um, the, the, the concept of negotiating and, and coaching and, and getting clarity. And so that side of things with my background in terms of buying and selling real estate for myself, uh, for 25 years, it's really kind of, it's really beautiful how the Lord's weaving it all together. Anyway, so if I could be of help to you, you can actually go to mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org. Just fill out the contact form and, um, just let me know that you'd like to, uh, chat. You can chat over Zoom get to uh, know more about your story, what your situation is, to see if I can help you. So mycatholicfaith.org if you're discerning a move to eastern Washington or northern Idaho. And, and if you're on the west side and or in uh, the central part of the state and you're also discerning a move, um, either I can be of help to you or I have a, a network of real estate agents that are devout Catholics that I also trust as agents. And so... Um, to be able to put you into great hands, (coughs) if that's something you need. Anyways, so he was asking about this and and, um, talking about that and and then my other work that I'm doing. And I said to him, I said, you know, I said, it is easy to forget that abundance doesn't equal always um, a blessing from God. That abundance... At a human level, prosperity at a, at a visible, measurable level is a source of great temptations and can, in fact, uh, distract us or divert us from our own sense of, of godly mission. I said, I said to him, I said, Mr. Trotter, I said, really, for me, what matters is holiness. That's really what I want. And what was so cool was he said, yes, yes, that's exactly right. Holiness, that's what matters. And, and so we sort of reveled in that for a moment, that like, let's become saints. Like, let's just please, please the Lord. Let's become saints and not dishonor the Lord by spending our lives on frivolous things. But whatever it is the Lord has us doing, let's be sure that we can have that stay in alignment with uh, our call to be holy, right? Right. And so, um, so we talked about that, and that's what led him to say, hey, there's this book that was recommended, and I started to go through it, called The Hole in Holiness, and how um, he found it very helpful. I said, well, what's the hole? <laughs> I said, if there's a hole in holiness, what's the hole? And you know what he said? He said that it was the lack of desire to be holy, the lack of like a fervent pursuit of holiness that um, too many Christians, this is a Christian book, too many Christians, uh, unfortunately Catholics fall under this, I think as well, can identify the idea of being holy with just very distinct actions. Well, if I go to Mass, if I say, Catholic things, create a Catholic environment in my home, and make sure that my day is um, including Catholic actions, praying a rosary or doing other things that would identify me as a Catholic, then that means I'm holy. And so there's a a kind of almost like a legalism or a Phariseeism in that, but in contrast to that, if you read the Psalms in particular, but in other places as well, you will see that the psalmist, David, um, will identify holiness from a human standpoint as involving a deep yearning, a hunger, a longing. Uh, uh, something to pursue and pant after uh, uh, something that that uh, we find ourselves at a loss and and with great sadness and, and a tragedy not to achieve or or to gain or to um, come into contact with the Holy God and to pursue that holiness and I was just like yeah yeah I think that we want, to like, be able to say, I'm living a holy life, but I think that it's easy to exclude from that sense of evaluation around, am I living a holy life? Uh, The idea of longing and yearning, having a zeal to pursue the holy God, a longing and a yearning to grow in holiness, to be more holy, to conform our lives entirely, To the Holy One who called us, and I was like, "Yeah, that that seems spot on to me." If you want to identify what the hole in holiness is, well, would we go from there? Well, I ended up going up a few rows and talked to uh, the father of a friend of one of my sons, and he's a friend to our family as well. And we had another interesting conversation just earlier tonight, and I'll tell you about that in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It is great to be with you today. I hope this is encouraging to you. You know, living our life of faith is something that just gets woven into the the daily activities that we're doing. I think sometimes we can um, make the idea of um, being Catholic, pursuing our call to be saints and to live out our God-given mission as somehow principally or entirely associated with religious contexts, um, religious settings, um, or religious duties, religious stuff. And so, you know, being holy and fulfilling our God-given mission is found in like the margins of our day, saying prayers in the morning, saying a prayer at night, family prayer at dinner, you know, Things like that or I'll go to mass. Um, and and it's like, no, no, wait a minute, no. The living God is addressing you at every moment. Yes, that's right. The living God is reaching out to you, communicating to you at every moment. And it's paragraph one of the catechism. I'm not making this stuff up. Okay, so just read paragraph one and you'll say, Oh wow. The church didn't wait very long in the catechism before the uh, the church makes it abundantly clear that in every time and in every place, God draws close to us. And every time and in every place. Guess what? That means now. That means today. That means where you're at. In every time and in every place, God draws close to you, to you. And um, And because of that, the opportunity to... Um, to be in contact with the Holy God, to stir into flame our own union with the Holy God, and to allow that holiness of the Lord to break through our day is at every moment. It means like when you're driving in your car right now, this is a moment of encounter with the living God, and you can pray. You can be praying to the Lord, talking to the Lord, talk to the Lord. Tell Him what's going on in your in your life. Not— that he doesn't know it, but that when you open your heart to share, it is a way of permitting him to come into it and begin to move. Did you hear that? Let me say it again. When you say stuff to God, it's not like you're telling him something he didn't know. But by your consciously, intentionally, willfully opening yourself to God in prayer, you are giving the Lord permission to enter into your heart and your life in those places and begin to move. Now, isn't that what we want? And so that's that's for all of those moments that you're alone, all of those moments that you're by yourself. You can be conversing with the Lord, the practice of the presence of God, the sacrament of the present moment. Right? These beautiful, rich. Um, books that are part of our our tradition. Uh, oh, trustful abandonment to divine providence, right? These beautiful little pamphlet type books. The the imitation of Christ. Come on, let's go, right? These amazing amazing treatises and books. There's one that I love called Quadrup written by this uh, uh, by this. Ah, oh, gosh, I, don't I think he's a Benedictine. Quadrupani. It's called Light and Peace. He might be a Jesuit. 18th century, um, and it's a collection of quotes on different themes in the spiritual life. And I remember getting that book very early on—18, 19 years, 19, 20 years old. Loved it. Loved going through it and underlining it. Uh, the binding broke. Had to get another copy. <laughs> so, um, so it—it's everything my brothers and sisters, when you're at work, every conversation that you're about to go into, when you see the people in front of you, you can say a prayer for them. As you look them in the eyes, there's this sense of, do you realize this person is a gift? This person is uh, planted in this moment, and maybe it's my job to be um, the witness, salt, light, and leaven in this moment by how I treat this person, by how I talk to them, how I acknowledge them, how I affirm them, how I, uh, you know, um, how I'm present in their midst, right? There's so many ways that we can be a life-giving witness to Christ in the day-to-day things. And yeah, I know that there are stresses and pressures that make it difficult for us to be patient and kind and loving, to be someone who can build up in a situation rather than tear down, someone who can speak into situations where people are being ugly and harsh and, and, and negative or even dangerous in their speech and their attitudes, to be able to find ways to say, okay, I need to be praying for this person, right? So that's something that you might do. I know that I, I have, I've kind of become opened to the idea that the Lord is going to add people into my life that I'm supposed to pray for on a daily basis, to just remember them in prayer. Remember them in prayer. And um, there are a handful of people that um, I've prayed for. I, I used to pray for them every single day. Now it's occasionally, um, not because, you know, they're lesser importance, but I just, I don't have the same presence of mind around those folks. Um, but there are a handful of people that interrupted their way into my life, and I pray for them. And I wonder, it's like, when I get to heaven, I'm like, hopefully get to heaven, that uh, I'll bump into these people. And, and and in the end, in the general judgment, there's going to be the, sort of the great uh, unfolding of the, of the film of our lives. And we're going to see the impact we had because we chose to act in one way rather than another. And so I feel sad about, and I feel like I need to do penance for um, people that I've scandalized by. Maybe how I drove on the highway that time and drove too fast. It made someone feel uncomfortable or they got upset. And who knows how that tumbled down in their own lives in terms of a negative impact. And it's like, wow, I got to be aware of that. I don't want to create a negative snowball uh, that becomes an avalanche into someone's life because of, of something that I did um, and didn't intend right, to have that kind of negative effect. But there it is. Okay, now all of a sudden you're starting to see that we live lives that are that are pretty, pretty dramatic. Like that's a pretty dramatic thing to think about. <laughs> that that just in the little things of what you're doing, you can have an impact towards good in God, towards a yes to the gospel in in a in a query or an invitation to say, "Whoa, why are you so happy?" Like or what? I just feel peaceful. Like you know, how can you be? patient and and, and peaceful in that circumstance right there. And um, that's where the Lord comes in. Like That's where the Lord comes in and says, okay, what you have um, shared in a way that was less overt and direct, now you've been given an opportunity, share about it directly. Okay, so all that's related to conversation number one that I had in the stands at the basketball game earlier tonight. Conversation number two happened when later on in the boys game, I was talking to the dad of one of the boys, um, on the varsity team. Uh, he's a friend of, um, my son, John Mark in the same grade, same class. Um, but he's, he's just a a very enjoyable young man. And, um, all my kids enjoy him. He is, I call him free entertainment. He is such a, just a engaging young man. Anyways, um, I was talking to him and, and we just got into the same question. I said, what's God doing in your life right now? And his answer was, well, I'm reading the Bible in 90 days. I'm like, what? Now, many of you are familiar with father, Mike Schmitz's podcast, getting through the Bible in a year. And he didn't even get through the whole Bible, right? He was cherry picking sections, but, um, he's actually reading the entire bible yes that's right cover to cover beginning to end in 90 days that is a lot of reading and and i said really 90 days that is impressive and he said yeah I said, how long does it take he said well it's to 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 get through the assignment uh, for is is an hour a day he said it's a, it's a full hour every day to do that portion of the Bible. And um, I said to him, I said, so, okay, you've, you know, you're a devout Christian man. You've been so for really, you know, the majority of your life. So um, you, you're familiar with so much of what you're reading. What's a new insight? What's something that came out of this so far? And he says, well, I've, I've gotten through Second Kings. And he said that the biggest insight that has come to him in reading what he has so far, right? This, so this first segment of the Old Testament, which is quite a bit, frankly, he's like, the generations come and go. Kings and emperors and pharaohs and other leaders, they come and go. And the call of God is perennial. The way the Lord takes the initiative to reach out to his people And how his people are slow to respond, slow to believe, and are often faced with the temptation to give themselves over to what is prominent and dominant in the moment, rather than remembering what endures. The kings come and go, governments come and go, cities, states, and nations come and go, but the Lord is faithful and he endures. He said, That for me was, was the biggest insight is remembering that the Lord endures his kingdom remains when all of these other realities that are so prominent and dominant in our awareness today, like on social media and in news broadcasts, political parties, and all these other world leaders, these folks come and go, but the Lord remains. That's a powerful insight that he got from reading the Bible. All right, back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. It's great to be with you today. So, uh, today I'm just, just sharing with you some updates just based on the past weekend and literally tonight. Um, and then I have got this reflection that I'm going to offer here on the end of the program about Psalm 95. But just to finish up, um, you know, so talking with this fellow parent from the Oaks. Um, asked him, What's God doing in your life? He said, He's reading the Bible in 90 days. And um, he asked me, So have you ever done that? And I had to embarrassingly say, No. <laughs> I never sat down and, and made a commitment to read the Bible cover to cover. And um, I, I have to admit, there are probably like some sections of Numbers and maybe small elements of this or that minor prophet um, that I've not read. Uh, that's kind of shocking to say. It's like, can I actually get through my whole life and not read the Bible cover to cover? That would really... And, and, you know, it's not just a matter of check the box, right? I read every word. That's not it. In fact, um, we started to get into that conversation. So I said, so how do you read the Bible? How do you actually read the Bible? You know, if you're going to read it for an hour that way, so what do you actually do to read the Bible? Um, And at that point, he got interrupted because his son got checked into the game. So we stopped talking about it, (laughs) and then the game was over. And so I want to pick up on that conversation, but one of the things that um, was apparent to me was that his commitment in reading the scriptures was an hour a day, and it had a goal in mind to be able to get through the whole Bible. Well, at the beginning of the program, I uh, mentioned that um i had gained new insight into psalm 95 and even just the first stanza or the first two verses the first stanza of psalm 95 um after having been introduced to it and having it be put in front of me for 37 years and it's like you know i've got it memorized but have i plumbed the depths of it and i i to my chagrin um uh, Taking myself too seriously, humbly acknowledge that once again the Lord shows me that um, you know His Word has no depth; it, it is it's bottomless. It's it's an abyss of light and newness for those who are willing to be led into it. And so, instead of reading quickly and broadly. I was uh, sitting down. It was I don't know maybe Friday of last week or Thursday of last week. I was um, reading the invited no maybe it was Sunday Sunday morning. Um, I was reading the invitatory psalm uh, Psalm ninety five which is a call to praise God. So it's the very first psalm if you're reading the liturgy of the hours. The very first hour is preceded by this. Psalm, Psalm 95 is the typical one, and it's called the Invitatory Psalm. And here's the thing, like less than a year ago, I gave a sort of sharing about Psalm 95 on Sound Insight because I had made it a um, sort of a custom um, or a spiritual discipline to be um, using, in part, my morning prayer time to do the Office of Readings, and which is the first hour of the liturgical day. Um, if you're going to pray the divine office, the first hour is called the Office of Readings. And so that's preceded by the invitatory psalm. Well, on this particular recent day, it, again, it might've been Sunday, it might've been Saturday, even Friday, um, I started to read it. Come, let us sing to the Lord and shout with joy to the rock who saves us. Come, let us sing to the Lord, and shout with joy to the rock who saves us. And I got stuck on the first word, come. And if you just stop and ponder it for a minute, I started to ponder it, and I'm like, wait a minute. The word is come. Okay, come. And so it's like it's an address. It's someone addressing someone and saying, come. Beckoning call. Come, come over here. Hey, this way. And, and I stopped thinking about it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Who's saying that? Who's saying, come, let us sing to the Lord. Who's the one that's leading the prayer? Well, I'm praying it by myself. So I'm not saying it to anybody. So why would I, why would that be the, um, the, you know, a good choice for a psalm if, if it's going to often just be read by an individual in a private location? like, you know, priests and and some religious, like if they're not praying it in common, come, let us sing to the Lord. Well, who's saying that? And, And then I'm like, well, the theology of the Liturgy of the Hours is that, as liturgy, it's a prayer of Christ the priest. Christ the high priest is the one who is the principal actor, the principal agent of liturgical prayer. And the body of Christ, we, the assembly, the believers, uh, the baptized Catholic Christians who are joining in the Liturgy of the Hours, um, we we participate uh, after the manner of the one who's leading us. And so, come, let us sing to the Lord, all of a sudden took on the meaning of, wait a minute, this is Jesus calling me into prayer. Jesus is saying to me, come, come, Tom, let us sing to the Lord. And all of a sudden now, if Jesus is inviting me into an act of prayer, an act of worship, an act of recognition of the Lord, well, then all of a sudden the Lord here is the Father. But it's not come, let us sing to the Father. Come, let us sing to the Lord. There's a way in which Jesus is inviting me to remember as I'm launching into my prayer, that I'm approaching the Father who is Lord. Now, Lord means that they're in charge of this uh, reign of this place where they um, where they have authority, where they rule. So, the kingdom. Right. The kingdom has a king. So the kingdom is that that realm over which the king has rule. So come, let us sing to the Lord. There's a way in which we are acknowledging he is the one who has authority over my life. He is the one in whose realm I dwell. He is the one whom I am called upon to obey beautiful scene in the two towers in the Lord of the Rings. I was going through that. And um, when they get to uh, Meduseld, to the riders of Rohan and their king, the king gets up and he calls people to arms and the soldiers come running up the stairs and they bow down on a knee. They genuflect and they put their, 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 uh, their weapons, their swords down at his feet and they say, command us, command us. That's come let us sing to the Lord. There's that sense of command us and we'll follow. But what is the invitatory psalm inviting us to? Come let us, not let us pray to the Lord, not come let us Praise the Lord, thank the Lord, worship the Lord, adore the Lord, bless the Lord, petition the Lord, intercede before the Lord. No, it's come, let us sing. So, whatever it is, is the content of your prayer. Here's the mode, the mode of your prayer that we're being invited into by the Lord Jesus, and that is singing. And that got me thinking because. I'm oftentimes praying this in, in a quiet, contemplative way. And I'm, I'm actually reading, okay, the Lord is prompting me to sing to the Father. Jesus is prompting me to sing to the Father, and I'm doing so in, in silence. <laughs> like, how often do we sing? How often do adults sing? Adult men, how often do we actually sing? And then take it further, how often do we actually sing to the Lord, and it then got me thinking and reflecting and saying, "Why would I sing to the one whom I'm calling Lord?" And it's like, "Oh, well, I would sing to the Lord if I recognize that the Lord has a protective cover over my life, and I'm dwelling in His realm, and I'm safe, and I'm free, and I can be myself. I can, I can skip and laugh and jump and sing. So, singing here is an expression of." freedom and delight. And, and then it says, and shout with joy to the rock who saves us. Well, not only is this Father Lord, but there's also a shouting with joy to the rock who saves us. And it's like, I just thought, well, what is it that saves us? Not to the life preserver that saves us, not to the um, uh, lifeguard who saves us, um, not to the medicine that saves us, but to the rock who saves us. And a rock is what? It's a firm foundation. Think Matthew 7, the winds and the storms blew against the house, but it firmly set on rock and did not destroy. So it's like, wow, the invited choice psalm is inviting us to say, hey, recognize that there are storms that are blowing against your life and your house, the Lord God is not only one who has dominion over you and you're dwelling in his realm, so you should sing, but he is the rock you can stand on. You should shout with joy, which then got me thinking, when do men shout for joy? And the answer is sporting events, not in our life with God in prayer. And that's an issue. We need to learn to shout with joy and sing in our relationship with God. Well, I'm out of time. I'll have to pick up on this tomorrow. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sun Insight.